Welcome to Unscripted with Kirby Hossman and Bill Petrie, your weekly show focused on the topsy-turvy world of promotional products, branding, advertising, and marketing. As always, Unscripted is brought to you by the good people at Promo Corner's Identity Marketing, the leading online industry magazine chock full of content and thought-provoking articles. You can visit them online at promocorner.com backslash identity dash marketing. Now, here's Kirby and Bill. And welcome to the final edition of Unscripted for 2016. As always, I am your co-host, Bill Petrie, and with me, my good friend, my good pal, Kirby Hossaman. Kirby, how the hell are you this week between Christmas and New Year's? I'm I'm doing fantastic, as always. Uh, but yeah, this is always kind of that, that week that... I'm like, oh, I'm going to get so much thinking done and so much proactive stuff done. And then this week gets around and I'm like, I should have taken vacation. (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those weeks where there's just enough to do to keep you busy. But uh, that that just enough to do also, also keeps you away from having those brief but yet important moments of introspection. Yeah. that uh, this time of year somewhat uh, calls for. Yeah, no, but no, I'm doing well. You, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Had a great uh, holiday last weekend. I'm looking forward to bringing in 2017. And uh, Kirby, as always, I think I should thank you for having the courage to do this podcast with me. You've showed a lot of courage this year. This entire year. I, I, I'm i still trying to figure out where this started, but it's been weeks and weeks and weeks. But I appreciate I appreciate the the applause. Well, you know, it, it takes a certain amount of uh, courage to put your name on something with me. So I think that's where it started, Kirby. And speaking of putting your names on things, you know, it was a little chilly here a couple of days ago. And <laughs> I, you probably don't even know where I'm going with this. But bear with me, please. A little chilly here in Middle Tennessee a few days ago. And I grabbed myself a Bay State ice scraper, happened to have a, uh, a logo of a company I admire, and I used that ice scraper, and I will tell you, it took care of that thin sheen of ice off my windshield like nobody's business. So anybody who's in the, the you know, market for a ice scraper, uh, first of all, it's a gift that's not going to be returned. That I can guarantee you. Um, but you're in the market for an ice scraper, boy, there's no better place to go than uh, baystate.com and, and, and get yourself a quality ice scraper for you and, more importantly, the ones you love. That's good. That's great advice, dude. I appreciate it. You're welcome. So Kirby, do you have a topic to uh, start us off this week? Yeah, sure. Um, so it's interesting. This is sort of my, my delve into the promotional products world with this time of year. One of the things we do, and I know not everybody does this, but we create our own, um, flyer, um, just for our company. Um, you right. know, the suppliers in our industry do some awesome flyers and we, you know, sometimes you utilize that. Um, but we still, you know, our, our team likes to have, you know, our own branded, a little bit of material. And, um, it's, I, I run into the same debate every time I do it. 
Um, and it's that, you know, essentially we have, like a lot of people do, there are certain products that we tend to sell a lot of. They tend to fit in a lot of categories. A lot of our, our client uh, categories like these things, you know, it's repeat stuff. And so like I, I go back and forth between putting, okay, do I put the things that I regularly sell into or the team regularly sells into the flyer or do I, am I constantly trying to evolve and put new stuff in there? Or, you know, that's, that's the balance I'm always trying to, to get with. And I'm always curious to hear what other people think, whether it's you or our audience, because it's like, well, you want your best sellers because that's their best sellers for a reason. Right. Um, but then, you know, gosh, you want to be showcasing the new stuff. You know, it's, it's a fine art, I would say. Well, you, you damn well better want my opinion because we're the only two talking right now. <laughs> so uh, I am going to give you my opinion. I, I think you uh, – if it was me and I was putting together a flyer, I, I would I would have a couple sections. And I would segment them. Hey, these are our best sellers and here's new and innovative to, yeah. to call it out. I wouldn't try to mix it up or anything like that. You know, One of my <laughs> biggest pet peeves when I work with distributors and it worked, with, worked for distributors – and since we're coming up to PPAI Expo here in a couple of weeks, um, it, it's perfect transition. When when salespeople would go to a trade show and walk into a supplier booth and say, "Tell me what's new." Mm. Um, well, what's new is a koozie, but now it's got a blinking light <laughs> or whatever. Because a lot of times, what's new is just the same product from last year with a different add-on. Right. And sometimes those add-ons make sense. Sometimes they don't. I think the more important question is what is selling? What are your top three sellers? So that's why I always direct distributors to ask suppliers. So as you're putting together your pamphlet, your book, your whatever, your catalog, I would absolutely say, hey, look, this is what is selling now. Mm, yeah. Because honestly, again, as a, as a distributor, I think that's a far more important question. And to an end user client, I think, you know, most of them, they're going to be interested in some of the innovative stuff, but they still, they're going to be humans because that's what humans are. We yeah. gravitate toward our human nature and that human nature means we're comfortable selling the same thing over and over again. We're comfortable buying the same thing over and over again. So just like a presentation, I would always bring something I know that they'd be comfortable with, but I always bring something that I know they wouldn't be comfortable with in hopes that they might shift. So I think you have to unfortunately serve two masters. Yeah. No, it's like I say, it, it's one of those things that every time we do it, we do these three times a year, um, not quite quarterly, but three times a year. And every time it's like the, the balance becomes, well, but we have that product in every time. And I'm like, well, we sell it every time. So um, you don't want it to look the same, but, you know, it's, it, I think that's a constant push and pull. So I appreciate your, your thoughts on that, dude. Absolutely. Absolutely. Time for me to go? Yes, sir. So uh, I wasn't planning on speaking about this or bringing it up, but I'm going to anyway. Okay. It is unscripted. So I did write a blog post that was posted on Monday mm -hmm. um, about uh, the importance of this time of year. And you kind of mentioned it. You know, it's a you kind of plan to do some introspection this week. I think a lot of people do. And I did it last year, uh, wrote a blog post, and I asked a lot of questions of myself. Um, you know, what are my goals for 2016? What do I want to do more of? What do I want to do less of? Am, am I the person I want to be? And I didn't answer those questions mm -hmm. uh, publicly. I chose not to, um, but this year I did. 
And I'm glad I did. I've gotten some really interesting feedback. Um, it, it's always scary to really put yourself out there and honest uh, thoughts, but I did. Um, and I find that it's been tremendously rewarding. So it leads me to my, my question for you. So I had someone uh, reach out to me, want to be a client, mm-hmm. or wanted to possibly engage me as a client. But the more I spoke with them, the clearer it became to me that really what they needed was a mentor. Mm. Yeah. And knowing that part of what I want to do more of uh, the right activities in 2017, which is giving back, and part of that is being a mentor, I steered this person to the Promo Kitchen Mentor Program, with full disclosure, you and I are both part of. Yep. And uh, you know, said I think what you're looking for. I could charge you, and trust me, I'm really good at charging people for stuff. Um, but I think it really it lends itself more towards being a mentor. Okay. So I'm wondering if I made a huge mistake. This is a guy who is certainly willing to give me money, and I'm not taking it. And so, and, and this call literally happened. 20 minutes ago. Hmm, so okay. it's fresh in my mind. I think I did the right thing. I'm not, I'm not necessarily asking you for validation whether I did or didn't. My question to you is how do you balance your industry give back activities, the way you want to give back to the industry with um, making sure that you are running your business profitably? Mm. Yeah, no, that it's, it's super interesting because, you know, I think that we all run into situations like that. And, you know, I, I, because I don't know the specifics of, you know, your conversation with this guy. Um, but one of the things I'd say is I find that, um, if you honestly believe that the mentorship program is going to be better then when, then it's the, obviously it's the right thing to recommend. And what I've found in those moments where I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm turning business away. But if I'm turning business away in the best interest of the person who wants to give me money, exactly, they tend to call me back when the opportunity is correct. Does that make sense? Exactly. No, it absolutely. And that's why I did it, yeah. to be honest with you. Um, yeah. It was the right thing to do. The, the conversation without getting into too much detail, but this person wants advice on, well, how do I break into this certain segment? Yeah. Um, what kind? How can I differentiate? And how do I, you know, he's been in the industry a few years and just kind of had plateau and had some, I'll tell you, his plateau is great where he's at. Yeah. He's certainly achieved a, a, a great success, um, but it just fit better in the mentorship program. And, and I thought, and what an interesting uh paradox that, that I think sometimes we all have is slicing and dicing our time mm. um, to doing things that are right um, rather than doing things that might pay. So no, I think I did. I, I absolutely believe I did the right thing. I just uh, wanted to know how you balanced it out. And I think so, you answered it uh, well. Well, the other thing that I've found over the last couple of years is, um, and this, I'm not sure this is exactly what you're asking me, but it's something I think might be valuable to you and to anybody else listening is one of the things that I've run into is I've made decisions, um, on when I, you know, am doing something that's, I'm actually holding up quotation fingers that you can't see, um, but it's volunteer work versus paid work. And so one of the things that I've historically done and made mistakes on is, is I've, I have charged a discounted rate to a friend yeah. for, you know, cause I'm helping them out. And what mm. I have repeatedly found is that that is a ginormous mistake for everyone. Um, oh, absolutely it is. Because the two the, the thing that happens is 
that because they're paying something, they think they're a customer. But yep. because they because I'm discounting it so much, I feel like I'm volunteering. And so the, the relationship is always off on the wrong foot from the beginning. And so right. so I've actually just gotten to a point where like in the team internally knows this. I'll be like, okay, no, I don't want to do this as a you know, we're not here's what here's what we'd normally charge. We're gonna do it for free. But mm-hmm. the reason I'm gonna do it for free is because the moment I don't wanna do it anymore. <laughs> Right. I'm going to be able to say no. No, I couldn't agree more. When you discount uh, things, it discounts two things, well, at least for me. Uh, I certainly would, you know, you get a price discount, right? Where you, so you make less. But I also, what, what the person on the other side gets for me is an interest discount. Yeah. Um, right. And that's, that's, that's just unfortunately human nature and the way it works. So, no, good, good points there. Kirby, you got another one for us? Yeah. Um, so, one recently I went to an EME, um, yep. an awesome event in the industry. And what, over the last couple, one of the things that I've found is there are certain product categories in the industry that I have historically had blind spots on. Mm-hmm. And those EME events are really good um, events to kind of open your eyes to those. Because, and I'll give you an example is we sell some awards, but awards is not a big piece of our business historically. Well, at a trade show, I would just blow by the awards thing because I'm like, I don't sell a lot of awards. And at an EME style event, it kind of opens your eyes to go, oh, yeah, maybe I should be, right? Um, And so I was just wondering, I guess, and this is not really even a fully formed question, but just like, I've heard so many things where people are like, well, you should operate in the niches, but mm-hmm. then, but then on the other side, it's like, well, but then are you turning away? Like for example, awards. I'm not. A, I have not historically been an expert in awards, but gosh, it's a category that makes a lot of people a lot of money. And right. so, do you see people with with product blind spots? What What are your thoughts on that? I, I do. Um, when you listen to your, your your question, which you're correct, was not well formed, but I understood <laughs> it anyway. Um, Back in my, uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, back in my Halo days, there was a great guy um, in Brooklyn, New York, and I think you know who I'm talking about, Joe Style. Mm, and Joe Style is the Calendar King. That's how he's marketed himself for decades. Yep. And this is a guy who's lived his entire life in the same ten block radius in Queens, New York, and he sells one thing and one thing alone: calendars. That's all he really sells. And it gets even more nichey than that, if you remember Kirby. Oh, yeah. He is an Italian guy, and he is. You're, he is right out of central casting for an Italian New Yorker. Yep. And he sells exclusively to African-American funeral homes. So you don't get much more niche than that. And this is a guy who also sells about $800,000 a year of calendars to African-American funeral homes. Makes a killing doing it. Yeah, Joe's a great so guy. So he's a tremendous guy. I always enjoy when I see Joe. Um, makes me laugh. He's yeah. a funny guy. Funny dude, uh, you want to you want to talk about uh, uncomfortable sales calls? <laughs> go go with Joe Style sales call because it's only uncomfortable for you. He is in control and it's it's amazing, but just just a terrific guy. Anyway, so when I think of niches and super niches, if I can call it that, that's what I think of. I don't know how well that really works for most people. You know, I think Joe might be the exception that proves the rule, mm-hmm. um, but I do think you know. I, I, 
we are in an industry where we are basically, especially distributors, we're a conduit, a conduit to just about any product an end user would want their logo on. So you you mentioned awards, and I know you you told me you're not strong at awards. It's not something you focus on. Um, sure, of course, if someone says I want this award, you'll get it for them, but it's sure. not something you typically think of as an add-on sell. What I would do if I were in your shoes, I would pick a product category every year that I'm not familiar with and I'm not comfortable uh, with at all, and I'd start pushing it for the entire year just to see what kind of traction it gets. Yeah. Well, the other thing that I've found, and I guess the, the piece of advice, because this is it's truly something that's happened, signage and awards were two places we didn't do a lot and we've done a lot more with. And what I've found is, for me, I've just gone, okay, what supplier in this category do I implicitly trust so that right. I can say, look, I don't know all the answers to this, but they can make me look smart, and then I've partnered with them, and that's well, that's been beneficial to me. And that's the key, right? I wouldn't, I wouldn't know awards um, like you. I wouldn't know. But there's a couple of people uh, with different companies I know very well and I trust, and I would go to those people. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a, a great way to uh, – a great way to look at it. All right, bro. What, what's what's your next topic? All right, Kirby. I'm I'm really glad you asked. So I I've got a beef. Okay. I've got a beef. So buckle up. All right. <laughs> I am I am tired. I have had an impacted asshole of all the good riddance 2016 or 2016 can't end soon enough because so many people have died that are famous. Yeah. I'm done with it. I mean, I'm really tired of it, and I got to tell you why. So, here, here's what I'm gonna say. There were not a ton of famous people in the 30s and 40s. Yeah, you had your Errol Flynn and your Humphrey Bogart, Bob Hope, Bing Crosby, and things like that. But true mass media as we know it today didn't really begin until I'm gonna say the early to mid 60s, a little bit in the 50s, but really it started taking traction in the, the mid mid 60s, which means that there were not a lot of famous people in those 30s and 40s. And so there's a lot of famous people, though, that really started becoming into the global consciousness in the 60s. Right. And now those people are around 75-ish or so. So we look back at some of the the famous people who have passed away, and it's it's awful, right? It's awful when when you um, see someone famous pass away and it it feels like part of of your youth has been taken from you. But, you know, when Florence Henderson died, Mrs. Brady, she was 82. That's a good life. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. When when Muhammad Ali died, he was 74, and, and the guy had so much probably brain trauma that none of us would even remotely understand. Yeah. So, you know, Arnold Palmer, he was 87. Gene Wilder, right? Um, uh, Willy Wonka himself, he was 83. Yeah. Leonard Cohen was 82. Yeah, you're going to get the ones that kind of shock you a little bit. Prince at 57, that's 10 years older than I am. You know, that, that was surprising. Or George Michael, who recently passed away uh, at 53, that's only six years older. Or even Carrie Fisher, who just died yesterday right. as we're recording this. You know, but you look at her, and she obviously abused her uh, abused her body with, with drugs and alcohol and things like that. But here's the deal. The people who are dying now, they're of the age of dying. I'm sorry, <laughs> but they are. And I've got bad news. So everybody who wants 2016 to end because they're taking too many of your famous people away from you, I've got some bad news. 
people aren't going to get younger next year. <laughs> That's not how it works. This thing now where we have someone famous seemingly die every three or four or five days, wait in 20 years. Yeah. with uh, And it's going to be famous people are going to be dropping like at the rate of three or four a day because – People, there's just more people in our consciousness now. So that's my that's my beef, Kirby. What say you? Uh, no, I, I I actually this is one of those pieces that I couldn't agree with more. It's it and, and I think I've said this to you before, separately, is that people are always talking about how the media blows things into proportion out of proportion, and the media drives stories into the ground, and the media does this, and the, dude, it's us, like. Again, CNN and Fox News were not who was blowing up my Facebook feed yesterday when Princess Leia passed away. And I'm again, I'm like you said, I don't mean this to be as in probably insensitive as it sounds, but oh my god, every single person I know posted something about it. And my whole thing is, you know, <laughs> David Bowie passed away this year, right? Yes, now, he did. And again, someone like you who is a true music aficionado, okay. Maybe you're upset, but most of the people I know really don't give a shit about David Bowie, and they never did. But by God, they're posting about it on Facebook. No, <laughs> when in you're, reality, you're right. they were not listening to his music the day before. And you're, so you're it's, exactly right. It just it, that's that kind of tires me out. It, it 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 does wear me out. I mean, I you know there are deaths that affect me more than others, just like everybody else, right? Um, I I was surprised I was I was not surprised that Carrie Fisher passed away. Just going through everything I went through this year and understanding what happens in a cardiac arrest and what happens with that it's it's pretty rare someone survives. So it didn't surprise me that that she passed away. Sad, but it didn't surprise me. You know, I still think of you know but you know Mrs. Brady died. Eh, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, you know. I'm still more impacted when the anniversary of Stevie Ray Vaughan's death comes around. And I'll tell you why. That's when people die young. That's a tragedy. I it is. I mean that that sure. really is. That's a tragedy. A George Michael bordering on tragedy. I, unless we find out, you know, he was you know really uh, taking some drugs or whatever. And I've heard some rumors, but who knows what that even means? But so it's it's a tragedy when anybody dies, right? But. It's when someone's cut in their prime. Right. That's when it's a real tragedy. Yeah. Uh, I was bummed when Arnold Palmer passed away. I'm a big fan of Arnold Palmer, but the dude was 87. Exactly. That's a great run. Yeah, for I sure. I mean, that's a really great run. I've always had a theory that, you know, once you get to about 70 or 75, not that you're on borrowed time. I don't mean it like that, but I think I think it wouldn't shock me that anybody passes right. away. Well, at that point, you've lived a, a fairly full life that most of us, when we were 20, if we said we were listen, living to 75, we'd be fairly happy with that result. A absolutely. But the older we get, the younger 75 stays. Oh, for sure, man. For sure. I agree. Well, cool, man. Um, well, I think uh, we've we've at least yeah. filled the time. But I, I just want to say I'm, I'm really excited to, to see you and, and a bunch of the gang. I always say that PPAI Expo is like a little class reunion. And so I'm excited to see everybody here in a couple of weeks. It is, and I'm looking forward to it as well. Um, you and I are speaking at uh, uh, PPAI uh, as well as um, as well as uh, QCon, which I'm pretty excited about both of them. To be quite honest with you, we're doing a live podcast at uh, SKUCon, and that's going to be that's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, if you do want to see Kirby and I together at uh, at 
PPAI Expo. We are speaking on Education Day together, yep. Monday morning at 9.20 uh, in the morning, I think is Breakers L. Awesome. 9.20 in the morning, Breakers L, and that's going to be Salt and Pepper Live. And it's going to be moderated by the one and only John Norris, yeah. who is a he's he is. Uh, we're doing it a little different this year. Kirby and I are not going to have any notes, and we're not going to have any idea what John, what kind of tomfoolery John is going to bring to the table. <laughs> uh, so it should be a good time. So we're doing that, and then we are also speaking Wednesday morning um, together, Kirby and I, are on a session titled "Putting the Social in Your Media," and that's Wednesday morning at nine o'clock at Breakers F, and we talk about how you can leverage your unique voice to create meaningful media content that moves your target audience. So I, I hope to see, we hope, on, on behalf of Kirby, hope to see many of you there. And one other thing about Las Vegas, Kirby, that's not one place you're going to need an ice scraper, but gosh darn it, you can visit the booth of Bay State and see yes. in person. You can see them, you can touch them. You, you might even be able to test them out. I really don't know what kind of booth setup Bay State's going to have, but they're going to have ice scrapers there. And you can finally go in there with confidence and say, hey, I've heard Bill and Kirby talk about these ice scrapers. I must see one now. Absolutely. And they're and they're going to show one to you, and you're just going to be blown away. That's it's going to be a it's going to be a good time, bro. Well, Kirby, uh, I guess this is this will be us signing off until next year. So happy New Year to you and your family, and uh, wishing you and our audience nothing but wild success in 2017. Thanks, man. Happy New Year to you too. Thank you for joining us this week for Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. As always, Unscripted is brought to you by Promo Corner's Identity Marketing. You can visit them online at promocorner.com backslash identity dash marketing.